Hi, welcome to Not Another Marketing Podcast, where I'm talking to Tim Brown, the CEO of Hook Agency, who specialise in web design and lead generation. So we're talking about the things you can do to your website to increase form fills and leads. Thanks for downloading. We could all do with some more leads, couldn't we? And our website plays a huge role in generating them. But are our sites up to scratch? Could we squeeze out a few more leads? Now, in this episode, I'm talking to Tim Brown, the CEO of Hook Agency, who offers up lots of design tips and website improvements to help improve lead conversions. Uh, We'll talk about call-to-action buttons, forms, above-the-fold, trust building, and a lot more. Now, you can find Tim at hookagency.com. That's hookagency.com. Also on LinkedIn as well and Facebook. There's links in the show notes. Can I quickly mention that Not Another Marketing Podcast is totally ad-free. Love it if you could give the pod a shout on social media. Subscribe on your favourite podcast app. You can check out more episodes at jtid.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Now, the first thing I asked Tim was if we should be designing websites predominantly for phones. Yeah, I look at the overarching analytics on sites and try to see which one's more predominant. I think we're all in a, like, for instance, agencies that are focused on clients are often in a spot where we're, they're used to seeing desktop. So we kind of cater to that, even though it's really for a lot of our clients, it's about 50-50 and like the amount of traffic that they've got on mobile versus desktop. And some, right. in some cases, it's like 70%, let's say for like a plumber or somebody that's a lot of times it's a, it's not a, it's not as much of a researched thing. So they're just on the fly yeah, trying to get a hold of somebody. And for those clients in particular, they, they're closer to 70% of the traffic coming from mobile. We still push on desktop first. I'm not saying that we're like absolutely correct in that. I like making sure that the mobile version is super nice. And like we, we kind of think of that as its own craft, like having call to actions that are always present, even as you scroll, having the phone icon that somebody can call at any time. And I think just making sure that it's really good is the key now doing that first i don't currently live up to that but i think um i think it's something to think about it's just as you serve clients uh it's we're we're kind of catering to what they expect to see basically yeah because i think when i'm when i'm generally mooching around the web i'm seeing a few more sort of the mobile styled hamburger menus on a desktop version of mm-hmm. the site you, you're not just seeing yeah. that on the mobile are you and i think it's it's becoming a bit, a bit more do you think we'll reach a point where we just literally just design everything for a mobile phone that hamburger menu thing on the desktop i think is basically designers over designing yeah i think and and I've done it too, just to be honest with you. I think that it looks cool, but it's not super user-friendly. No. And everyone knows to click that, but why? Why do you need to click into that? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's kind yeah, yeah. of, I think that there's a big trend of designers doing stuff that feels good to them, but doesn't serve their clients' needs. So yeah, because it it's an extra click, isn't it? That, yeah. yeah, it's an extra yeah, click. Yeah, it is. And you really want to diminish the amount of clicks to action. And I think about this 
constantly. How can yeah. we cut steps? How can we cut steps? And if I could show every item that they might want to go to right away and it didn't look super cluttered and very hard, I, I think that would be a good thing. But of course, you know, there's also decision anxiety when you have too many choices. So it's always a balance of creating a sampler platter of the most important items, but making sure that that's visible right, right away and doesn't require a click. Cause actually I want them to get information about what the services are as quickly as possible. And with, in a way that's always present. And that's why I like menus being displayed. Yeah. I think I'm, right I'm, away, I'm, but... I'm, yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. There's been a trend, hasn't there, to kind of like hide everything until it's needed. So we go for a very mm-hmm. minimalistic view. And I can understand that when you're designing for a phone screen, a, a five inch screen, six inch screen, mm-hmm. because you, you've not got a lot yeah. of room. But when you start putting the same practices into a into a HD monitor, then you end up with it looking a bit sparse and people hunting for what they're hunting for things, aren't they? Yeah. And I think it really just comes down to designers designing for themselves instead of the the client goal. Yeah. And we always have to be in marketing. We always have to be the voice of the customer and you have to be that even when you've got fancy art directors and people that don't really that are really trying to do stuff almost for awards yes <laughs> i mean i love there's a website called awards uh the awww awards so it's got a different yeah, yeah. spelling but i loved in particular the first three years of my career going there and seeing the weirdest looking stuff yeah like, we yeah. want to do this crazy parallax thing that everything floats yeah. around and animates and basically grabs your attention. And when I think about design, modern effective design, it's really not the design doesn't capture your attention at all. Sure. The design kind of fades into the background and the content is what comes to the foreground and capture the content can capture your attention. We want the content to be the hero in the design, not like in the images too, like an emotional image. Let's say we work with a lot of home services businesses of somebody enjoying that service yeah. of somebody turning on that shower and feeling the hot water, right? Like yeah, yeah. we want that person smiling and feeling good and, and you know, other elements that kind of capture your attention and emotion rather than somebody saying, Whoa, look at this really modern yeah. hamburger menu or look at this crazy parallax effect and those things do become distracting and you know it's it's also like expensive you know a crazy yes. parallax website to think about that for 50k i saw a cannabis website recently that was like clearly like they spent like 100k on this yeah, thing yeah, yeah. and like because with all these floating things and like that might make sense for if you're m&ms and i sure. saw that a client sent over a couple of them and one of them was M&M's. And I was like, that makes sense. That's like yeah. a a consumer package good that has a giant following already. And to make a crazy, interesting experience for the customer makes a lot of sense. And then for this cannabis company, that's a startup. And they probably should have spent their money on ads or, yeah. or um, content rather than doing these crazy animations. Um, but yeah, basically, I just see there's there's always a trade off too, and you want to spend your money on the things that actually make money, not the the fancy nice to haves. Yeah, I, the worst one I ever saw was a few years ago. Was um, so, uh, somebody sent me a link to this 
this this guy had, it had his home page redesigned and so it cost him 12 12 grand to get a home page redesigned and it was basically yeah. a it was basically a path which started at the top so it was like a like an old fashioned sort of like yellow brick road you know that sort of thing and it was swirling yep. and curving all the way down the thing and then they even had this little character that made its way down this path and it, at each point down the path mm. a new pop up would appear saying yep. we're great at this we yep. and then right at the bottom there was a form and it yep. was awful and it, it's something that like the designer probably has in his portfolio and will like yeah. show for the rest of his life. Yeah. Because so much of us in this, like in particular, and when you're early in your career, and I think that this is one major problem and with working with a designer that's super early and I did it too, is we do stuff for our own portfolio. Sure. That just strikes me as something that the designer, the web designer made for his own portfolio, basically. Yeah, but but also it's also an example of like a client asks for something yeah, and and you don't tell them no. It could be that yeah. too, you know, like yeah, yeah. there's actually, you want your designer to push back on you and be able to say, hey, I know what creates sales and this ain't it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So you kind of got to like, you really want somebody that's collaborative with you and, and actually will call you on something and say, hey, does this accomplish the goal? That should be a yeah. big question that always comes back. Is this what the customer wants? Is this what accomplishes the goal that, that we want? So what sort of techniques do you think we ought to start trying to use when we want to increase lead generation and form fills and things like that? Yeah, I think creating desire. So everything that you got to ask yourself, hey, we just did a meeting this morning just right before this with a couple people on our team and just said, how, how can we create desire for our ideal customer? Our like tightest market target market is a three to five million, three to $7 million roofing company that right. it's, we're talking to the owner and they, they want more marketing firepower. So that's like our tightest demographic. And what do they want? And, and for us, that means, you know, we're creating like, a little section right above the main homepage hero, yeah. the top area on a website. And it's says, you know, it's going to say like, don't take it from us. And it's going to have partners. It's going to have logos of existing clients. Cause FOMO, yeah. you know, like these are the clients that are already working with us. Here's uh, t uh, five testimonials in a row that are videos of, of our customers. And we're doing those by doing podcasts with the customer and then saying, hey, how's your experience with us at the end? And on the other side, same with partners. Like we work with these high quality consultants and, and software companies and then doing the same thing with kind of testimonials. But that's just the question is, how are we creating desire? Yeah. And the other piece to it, like I was kind of saying, is we're kind of very viciously <laughs> cutting steps. So we had software for showing a proposal. We have software to show all like, it's like basically account-based marketing software. Yeah. Like it's called like sales reach and it's a great tool, but it's like a showcase and you have yeah. to click to go to the showcase from an email and we're cutting down steps by not, not having that step. We're just going to put the information right in the email. Yeah, so yeah. cutting down steps and creating desire by showing existing customers, by showing existing happy customers and ideally video testimonials and anything like, just kind of like always having that conversation of like, how do we create desire? Another one is like scarcity and the, the, 
limited time offer element. Sure. Like I think we we've talked about like for this month, we should say by the end of the month, if you sign up, you get this extra, Yeah. you know, by next month we could have another extra, you know, like limited time, small item. Maybe it's, uh, you know, like 1% of what your thing costs to, to increase desire. But it's always just like comes back to the broader question of like, how are we creating desire? I think that that goes to the landing page or the homepage of your website and every page on your website that offers a service or a product. And then I also think it comes down to in those sales conversations, how can you create kind of limited time elements? What, how can you put a little time pressure into your proposal or your sales process? And you know, really it's, if you believe in your service, you are, you are putting your, your money where your mouth is. You are, a little pressure should be good because you're, mm -hmm. if you help somebody get off the bench and get up and take action for their, in our case, for their business, if, if you're a service provider for, it could be for their home. A lot of our clients are home services. So that should be a good thing, right? Like yeah. if you believe that, you know, replacing their carpet would be, would make their life better and, and make their home cleaner then you should be able to do a little time pressure um, in your offers every month and it should be a good thing. So I think time pressure, desire, creating limited time offers. And a lot of that's around testimonials. Yeah, yeah. A lot of that's yeah. around video and getting them familiar. Yeah, I like how you use the word desire because we spend a lot of time, don't we? Sort of like making it physically easy to fill in the form. So it's simple mm -hmm. to actually physically type the letters in yep. the form. and But we don't tend yep. to concentrate much time on the emotional reasons for filling in the form. And I always kind of push people. I Exactly. Like I currently don't have the form right up top on our website. Right. Just because of the the, the sales cycles. Anything with a slower sales cycle, I kind of don't do that as much. Right. Anything with a fast sales cycle, like let's say plumbers, electricians, roofers, and a lot of the home services that we work with, a good chunk of them we do. We put the, the form right up top and I always pair that with trust factors like badges and testimonials. I always like, like that one-two punch because that creates desire and then makes it easy. And a lot yeah. of these people, yes, they're basically throwing in three forms really quick. For an agency, or we do like we've done it for high end, like marble countertop, or like remodeling companies. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've done it for like bigger, like B two B style commercial construction. So like anything with longer sales cycles, we kind of slow that down a bit and just note this is one step on the journey, but this isn't the main step. This is a support item. So yeah. commercial construction the website is often like a support item and to put a form up top looks kind of low end. Sure. You know, like, so you kind of have to slow it down a little bit and same with us as a marketing agency, slow it down a bit. What could we do that just makes them want this really bad and maybe have to, you know, like not hunt for it, but like the call to action isn't the only thing, Yeah. you know, yeah. we're, we're making them want this. Like I almost want them to feel a little bit like, where does that call to action? You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like a yeah. little bit, like that's just for longer, slower sales cycle items, I feel like. Yeah. Um, do you think it's okay to have a form on every page or do you think it's better to kind of like redirect folks to a form page? Yeah. 
Yeah, I've had a couple. Uh, I've had so in our case, we are so what we think is we we have it on every service page, like, but it's not the first thing for us, and we're trying to create desire maybe before they get. You know, actually, I think mostly I think it's on our like main. If you're like a niche, you go to the niche marketing page. We have forms on the sub pages, so not on the the kind of overarching ones, but once they get to a service that they might want. So we have it kind of, I think of it as the obvious next step. Yeah. If it's the obvious next step and kind of like think about how they're thinking. And so in our case on that main market, actually it's on not on the main marketing page. So if you go to roofing marketing, for instance, it's not there because you're still kind of looking into the services. And then once you go to a specific service, it is there because at that point you kind of know what you want. And I think that um, that's kind of the way I would think about some of this stuff is like, just obvious. Is it the obvious next step? Do include it. And sure. if you have, if you know how people purchase is longer, slower, play it down a bit because you just look spammy and, and just think about how people are purchasing. And yeah, yeah. I don't think I have perfect data on that, but I, I think for a lot of like quicker, I think about how I make a purchase as a homeowner. If you hide that form on a roofing page or any home serve, a lot of these home services, if you hide the form, you're just making it one more step and that's all they came there for. They came there to submit a contact yeah, form. Sure. Yeah. So like I put it everywhere and make it super blatant. Do you think we need to keep our form short? Because the general consensus has always been to keep your forms as short as possible. And then every client wants the form as long as possible because they want to get every bit of information out of the out of the prospective customer, don't they? Um, what's mm. your consensus of it? Keep it short, keep it sweet, get all the information later? Yeah, I think... We go back and forth on that yeah. a lot. I think it's it kind of comes down to how much leads are you currently getting and do you need it to be more or are you a little bit annoyed with talking to too many non-qualified customers? Yeah. That's the real that's the real question. And I would do it by that question. If you have too many leads and there's too many low qualified leads, maybe add a couple fields, but don't sure. get too crazy. And then if you are currently, you know, you know, low on leads, subtract a couple, you know, yeah, like you, yeah. you can't subtract, subtract too much because you want to be useful on the call. And some way that I've done in the past that I would totally consider doing again is like a, you could do like a little check mark that thing that says go to the top of our queue. And if they check that, it drops down like it's a conditional form yeah. and it drops down five more questions. And like, basically you give them the option to provide more information so that they can be useful to you on the call. And you might want to say that. So go to the top of our queue by answering a five more questions that give us more context on your need. You know, you could use that exact language. And if they do that, then you have a lot more information to prep for the call or the consultation or whatever, and they are, you know, opting in and they can opt out if they see those five questions yeah, yeah. drop down and they decide not to do it. I just think giving them some option to give more information is always better than like saying you have to put in these 20 things or else we are not going to even talk to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting you say that because I've been working with somebody recently and I've done something very similar to that where there's, there's a, three or four tick boxes which kind of like say, I just want the quote. 
uh, I'm ready to buy. And if you tap on the ready to buy, uh, the phone number uh, uh, kind of like um, box appears there. So so different Ooh, fields appear cool. based on based on what you what what the client wants to do, and that's worked quite well. Because I if, love if you stuff like that, yeah, if you just want to quote and you literally just want an email quote, then it's just like give me your email address and your name, and that's mm-hmm. it. Exactly. Anything that you can do that's kind of conditional, really thinking about their psychology, I think it makes people feel kind of taken care of too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, above the fold is, you've mentioned it a few times, but stuff above the fold, we know it's important and we try yeah. and fit everything above the fold, don't we? Because it's important. Um, yeah. Do you think we need to calm down a little bit sometimes and just have the mo- literally the most important stuff at the top? Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a brutal battle. Yeah, because realistically, if you look like a messy pile of crap up yeah. at, up at the top of your thing, that also turns people off. So, sure. I want to put everything above the fold. I want everything up there that I can possibly. And my main thing that I want is trust factors. I want trust, and I want a call to action of some type. And ideal scenario, I want a, an emotionally evocative image, something that gets somebody's blood going. Like, yeah. I want that. And I want a headline that demonstrates why we're different. Why are we different? Why, why this company versus the other company? And maybe the problem. So I want to do a lot of stuff. But I think there's ways to do that that's not super heavy-handed. And I think knowing those four things are really important and everything else you got to get better about not trying to do everything up there. Like maybe you can't perfectly list all the services in an image for each services above the fold. Maybe that's, maybe that's a lot, but you can do that shortly after in a way that kind of that's the next question is like, do you handle this? But yeah, I think trust factors, call to actions, emotionally evocative image and a headline that says what the problem is and why you're different is those are the things I want at least. Yeah. And and we have to remember, I suppose, that above the fold is different on desktop than mobile as well, which sometimes gets forgotten. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that is, that is a little bit difficult because mm. you get probably half of those things. Um, yeah. I think we get the call to action, maybe a, a headline. And I, I don't like stuffing too, like kind of got to watch that. And I also like we've gotten a lot better about like if you make something a background image, it is probably not going to be seen. So like we used to do it all the time where everything was like a background image with like a darker overlay and then the, the text on top. And I've stopped doing that as much because I think it doesn't really get seen. And if it's an important image, should it be a background? Yeah. You know, like yeah. so like kind of actually pulling those images out and putting them next to the text. Maybe there's a little classy drop shadow around it. I think that that's just, it's a natural evolution. If the image is important, make sure it's visible. You know, don't put a dark overlay over it or a super light overlay or whatever. I, I think that that has been an evolution for us. Yeah. And, and also you're dealing with different sizes of mobile phone screens, aren't you? So at the end of the day, the image mm-hmm. could look slightly differently and when it's all cropped down and shifted around. Totally. And yeah, really... I, I talked through this with our designers and developers probably like two days ago. Yeah. Hey, chop off 30% on all sides of this image. If you're designing, and this is where like having development background and design background really help a lot. Yeah. When they go together. 
chop 30% off the top, the bottom, the left, the right. And if that image still good is the, is yeah. the key figure in the image centered because you want there to be able to be any kind of image thrown in these websites later by anybody. And it still looks good. You don't want it to be this one image that's like perfectly off kilter to the, you know, it's in the, the rule of thirds and this image is over here where the person is kind of off to the right and in one third of the image. And then somebody changes that image later. And then the website looks like a pile of junk. You know, yeah, yeah. I, you and I, I mean, I've made a lot of websites where then I go back later and the, the client changes the images and yeah. I'm like, damn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, it's always kind of like you got to protect them from themselves a little bit by yeah, making yeah. sure that the website looks good even when even when the images change. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tim, I could chat for ages on this because it's, it's fascinating. Um, and I've been designing websites myself for like 20 odd years. So I've got loads of opinion. Yeah. Um, um, where can we find you? Where's sure. your website, social media bits? Yeah, Hook Agency, hookagency.com and Hook Agency on social media. I'll do one little plug for, we have a agency growth mastermind. Cool. Um, that I think you should check out. It's kind yeah. of fun. It's, I'm, I'm interviewing agencies going from 1 million to 10 million. And there's, there's three out of 10 so far that have been over 10 million and just kind of picking the brains and sharing that with the world. I think it might be fun for you to listen to. And yeah, um, I love talking about websites. I, I, I love making websites. I love helping clients get them uh, beautiful websites and, um, we're always sharing everything we learn along the way. So check us out on social. Yeah, we'll do. I'll leave a bunch of links in the show notes so folks can tap on that brilliantly. Awesome. Um, Tim, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, John. Thanks again to Tim for his time. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe for more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google. It's absolutely everywhere. Just search for Not Another Marketing Podcast. Thanks for listening.